0: This is a Soulfire Production. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Connor Wanders. I'm glad to be with you today been a weird week around the Moore household. We lost the dog last weekend. For those of you that followed my Instagram, the old 12 year old golden doodle Dutch punched his ticket on Saturday. So it's been a really sad time and it's hard. Like losing a dog is the worst. I think it's harder than losing people sometimes. Um, they're just so sweet and innocent and forgiving You know, the things you hope to see in people, but oftentimes don't. Um, Yeah, I had that dog for a long time. You know, he he kind of, um, I got him, I love when you get dogs in your early 20s and you probably don't need a dog, but you get one anyways. And you kind of have to rise to the occasion and get responsible, which is good. I remember when I got him, I was like, I just want like a homie, you know, to cruise around with me. And the dog like lived in the gym for years. I was cross, coaching CrossFit at the time. Um, just loved it. It was always around people, very like gregarious, sweet dog, kind of kind of wild back then. It's even though funny looking at it now is he kind of chilled out when he got older. But just kind of a you know wild dude. I let him never had very many restrictions on him. He kept his balls almost his whole life. He got him taken off a couple years ago because he was having some prostate issues as an old man. But I used to take him down to the Greenbelt in Austin before it was – as crowded and wild as it is now. And they were pretty chill with you just letting your dogs run around. He would just run around for hours. He accompanied me, accompanied me on many mushroom trips. (laughs) Uh, used to hang my hammock over the, over the the creek there. And, uh, he would just run around while I was on mushrooms, just like looking around. He was just sitting here. Sometimes he'd lay with me in the hammock. We had a lot of good times. I'll post, I'm gonna post a little video of him this week. It's been, it's kind of hard to put those things together, but fucking great dog. From the beginning to the end, man, just like always, just a a good dog, and I got to a point where he didn't really feel like a dog at a certain point, and I know any of those dog owners out there know what I'm talking about, where he feels more like a brother or like a roommate. <laughs> it's kind of a weird, kind of a weird deal. Um, yeah, so that's that's crazy, uh, really sad, and it happened. You know, the, I kind of get mixed about this. It's like sometimes you want to know what's coming, just so you can like take the time and, and, and do the thing, but real talk. Like he was fine one day and then gone the next. And he was outside running around, just being a dog doing his thing. And then, uh, Saturday morning he was, he was gone. Uh, so I think that's good. I think that's good. Um, it's hard. It's hard. It's just abrupt, but it's good. God dogs, man, they're the fucking best. They are the best. And, you know, I was talking to Kelly about it, and Kelly, the, the the story behind Dutch is, like, I had him for around six, seven years, six years, I'd say, and then um, I started working at this company called Onnit. I was busy all the time and just didn't have the time. He was, like, with me all day, every day for most days, um, and then his quality of life just went downhill when I started working at Onnit because I was gone all the time, like, working a nine-to-five job. The gym was there, so I just didn't have the time to give him... The kind of attention that he was accustomed to and deserved, in my opinion. And uh, my mom took him from me for a little while, and then my grandmother passed away, which was really hard for my mom. Uh, she had ALS. She died younger than she should have. Uh, but essentially, Dutch became my mom's like emotional support dog. <laughs> like he was so empathetic and so sweet that he stayed with her for three years, and then. Whenever Kelly and I met, moved to Colorado, uh, she brought him back up and she had actually bred him with her friend's golden doodle and have, they have his daughter now, which is kind of cool. And then he and Kelly just like from day one, he was her shadow. Like he just loved her. He like laid under her desk, followed her around the house. So this dog has kind of, had kind of been different things to different people throughout his whole life. And it just always been kind of where he needed to be. Like I needed him with me for those first six years he was alive. A lot of my life changed, moved a bunch of times different jobs, different towns, just trying to figure it out, just grinding out the CrossFit coach business. And, and, uh, he was there for all of it. And then my mom needed him. So he was there for her. And then Kelly didn't know she needed him, but he taught her how to be a dog mom. So he has like a special place in everybody's kind of heart because of that. And, uh, yeah, thought I'd share that. It's cool. It's cool to have, you know, you gotta be grateful that a dog has a long, long, good, happy life. And so I'm not as sad. I did lose it. I lost a 10 month old puppy uh, a few years ago and that was absolutely devastating. And I think having that context of what it's like to not get to experience a long life with a dog and have them taken way too soon um, in some freak accident versus having a dog that makes it to 12 years and was healthy all the way to the very end. And yeah, it's a different feeling for sure, but I'm grateful for him and, and for the time he got to spend with us and. I'm grateful he had a long life, and yeah, R.I.P. Dutch, rest easy, buddy. But anyways, we got a lot to talk about today. I wanted to kind of—I don't know why I want to talk about these kind of things. If you, those of you that have been around since the very beginning, you guys remember when Remy died, and I was a disaster. But I still podcasted, still came in and did the thing. <laughs> I had to turn it off for a little while, then I went back to sulking and crying all over the place. And every year to this day, I still cry in this September. I'll be in the Elk Woods hunting and. Just thinking about him and I'll sit by a tree and just like let it loose. Let the tears flow. And I don't think it's bad for men to cry like that. Maybe that's because I'm one of those guys. But I think it's good that my daughter's already seen me cry I mean, over Dutch and different things. I think that's helpful. Not that I cry all the time. I don't cry a lot. But when it's necessary, it feels good to let it go. Something I've been thinking about. Maybe we'll talk about that in the Patreon. Anyways, got a lot to talk about today. Censorship ruling. FBI did this, uh, some collusion. It's one of those things The censorship censorship ruling is kind of funny because it's like, and we'll get into the details, but it's like, hey, the FBI was colluding with social media organizations to take down posts. It's like, yeah, and that's not cool. And surprise, surprise, it violates the First Amendment. So we'll be seeing more and more about that. Um, Russell Brand had a long conversation with Tucker. We're going to dive into some what he had to say about climate change, which I found very um, interesting. And I aligned with it. And whenever I bring, Tucker is somebody that I disagree with on a lot of things, but I don't have like this like disdain for him that the media would encourage me to have. But um, yeah, I feel like I could have a dis- like a discussion with the guy and it would be in good faith and kind of entertaining. Uh, and Russell and him did a good job. Also, we're going to talk about Alex Jones' conspiracy theory that aspartame may cause cancer. So we're going to dive into that a little bit. 3M was poisoning some water, of course. And since we have to talk about RFK at least once per episode, we're going to dive into what MD, a well-known uh, YouTube doctor, um, has to say about RFK. Yeah, so let's get into it, guys. Let's, let's, let's talk about it. Let's dive in. I'm going to bring up my favorite journalist here, Matt Taibbi's piece on... The court ruling that knocks digital censorship to the canvas, ordering a sweeping halt to the nothing burger described in Missouri versus Biden in the Twitter files. Now it's called take that internet censors. If you do not subscribe to Matt Taibbi Substack, I highly recommend it. We're just going to dive into one part here that kind of rules it down because um, I think you should subscribe to this to read the whole article. Uh, it says, With this ruling in Missouri Missouri v. Biden censorship case, Daughtry went out of his way on the 4th of July to issue a stern rebuke of at the conga line of government officials, many of them or characters in the Twitter files. Racket readers recognize the names like Elvis Chan, Laura DeHumlo from the FBI— Jen Esterley and Brian Scully of the Department of Homeland Security, Laura Rosenberger, special assistant to the president, and one of the creators of Hamilton sixty eight, and Daniel Kimmage of the Global Engagement Center, who were all just ordered to get the hell out of the First Amendment out of the First Amendment's lawn. Paraphrasing. Daughtry enjoy and enjoined and them from Meeting with social media companies for the purpose of pressing or inducing in any manner the removal or suppression of protected free speech, flagging posts on social media platforms and or forwarding to social media companies urging the same, collaborating with the Election Integrity Partnership or the the Virality Project or the Stanford Internet Observatory or any like project or group for the same purpose, threatening or coercing social media companies to remove protected free speech. All of these things seem pretty straightforward and seem like they will be upheld because the Biden, the Biden administration has already filed an appeal because they want to censor your speech. They want to remove your ability to speak freely when it is inconvenient for the narrative that they find value in, right? And in typical fashion, the New York Times Does their bidding. So the New York Times here says, uh, or Matt Taibbi says about the New York Times, the New York Times, which instantly wrung its hands and stressed the ruling could curtail efforts to fight disinformation, grumblingly handled handed blame to the Twitter files without naming them, of course, and mislabeling it as a partisan enterprise. Of course, what they do, right? Because Republican equals bad. Democrat equals good, or if you're on the other side of the aisle, Democrat equals bad, Republican equals good, which is reductionist, moronic, and profoundly unhelpful. Elon Musk has echoed Republican arguments releasing internal company documents to chosen journalists suggesting that they claimed what they claimed was collusion between company and government officials. Though that remains far from proven, some of the documents Mr. Musk disclosed ended up in the lawsuit's arguments. That is proven. That is, by definition, proven. It is a fact. They have the receipts. Saying it's not proven does not mean that it's not proven. It clearly is. Just like saying something is safe and effective does not mean that it's safe and effective. Right? You cannot speak it into reality, abracadabra style. So, what do we think about this? Right? Finally, a federal judge has made a ruling here. It's going to go to the Court of Appeals. I think this will make it to the Supreme Court. And I see the Supreme Court upholding this. If they don't, it's because they are puppets of the intelligence industry. It's a wild deal to see this. Like I'm somebody who has been on the receiving end of this, and it has literally killed businesses of mine. You know, we here to do this podcast, to do this thing. It's hard to grow this, these podcasts in a in a in a merit based environment, right? Now I've been wrong about a few things, but I've been right about a lot more things, right? Because they're so obvious. But the lies at this point, if you're moderately objective, the lies and and the misleading statements at this point are so obvious, you can see them coming from a mile away. You don't have to be a conspiracy theorist to do that, right? Now, do I think there's a lot of unanswered questions about 9-11? Yeah, I do. Do I think that uh, Lee Harvey Oswald was the uh, lone shooter in the JFK situation? No, I don't. So you can say, well, there, he, he, he espouses conspiracy theories. Prove me wrong, please, because the evidence seems to agree with me in many cases. Now, do I know, claim to know all the answers? Of course not. But when you have a lens on the world that allows you to be skeptical without making it your entire personality, right? It's kind of simple to see where people are getting absolutely fucked. And that's what we're seeing here, right? And it's so obvious, so obvious that the FBI, the CIA, and all these other organizations have colluded in a wide variety of ways to shape speech, and downstream of speech is thought, right? So shape thought in the way that they find advantageous for them. Organizations, people, right? Human nature is to follow incentives and they are incentivized to do so. they would even come to the point of calling thought cognitive infrastructure, which is so absolutely Orwellian. It's insane. Think about the government referring to your freedom of thought as cognitive infrastructure that they want to build and control, right? Sewer lines are infrastructure. Roads, bridges, those are infrastructure. Your thought is not infrastructure. It cannot be built, cannot be controlled. I mean, it can be, but that's not its design and that's not the benefit of freedom of thought. One of the great things about thought is being wrong, right? One of the great things about freedom is being wrong and understanding you're wrong. Now, we've gone in such a divisive direction that we live, live in a way that's so defensive that it's hard to admit that you're wrong when you are, because you have a whole group of people that also live within the same delusion and don't want to accept that they may be wrong about a thing. right? We've dug our heels in, which is not productive as a culture. I think we need to, if we could cool the division a little bit and, and cool down the defensiveness, we could actually get to a more productive place. Is that likely to happen? I don't know. It seems like the ship's kind of sailed on that, so we just kind of have to carve our own path as far as that goes. But this is really interesting to see and really good to see. I'm going to keep my eye on this because this has a lot to do with, with us, you know? It's weird for me. I feel like on Instagram, I've been able to say things and do things that I would that, that, that previously would have gotten me flagged or suppressed. And it's funny to see the amount of organic growth that comes from that, right? Which just shows me how suppressed my account has been for the past several years. And it's put me in a really challenging position as to what to do with this show. Um, that's something I've been spending a lot of time considering right now. But I wanted to bring that up. I thought it was really interesting to, to dive into I think that's all I have to say about it now because we've seen this. We know this. This is not a surprise to any of us, I'm assuming, right? The surprise to me is that the judicial branch, right, the federal government or the federal judge had the balls to do this and make this happen and and speak up in this way. I'm proud of that. In some little way that makes me feel good about the system that we have in the United States. Now let's move on here. We got Tucker talking about climate and the environment with Russell Brand. Let's dive
1: in. And I asked the same thing about the climate movement. I mean, I'm bewildered by it. Apart from my own family, there's nothing more important to me than nature. I think I spend an above average time in nature amount of time, I mean, I've organized my whole life to be in nature. Um, so I really, really care about it, and I'm very upset about the many ways in which it's despoiled, at least in my country. I mean, nature's not doing well. The environmental movement is gone where I live, and we pollute, we put up chain stores and strip malls and pave things we should not pave. We, we are very tough on nature in the United States, and the environmental movement does nothing to stop that. And so my question for the climate people, and I have no doubt the climate. I'm gonna put, jump in right here because I, Agree.
0: It hurts me to see quality land, wintering ranges, um, areas that deserve to be preserved, that have value outside of economics, um, where different animals and water and other things reside and thrive in an ecosystem. I hate to see those things destroyed for for commercialism. Now, if we talk about building a housing development in those areas, right, and 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 they're minimally invasive, and they may cut down a few trees, of course, and they do foundations, but and, and put in some plumbing and whatever, but they're not like stripping it out and concreting the whole thing. I, that that makes that makes some sense to me, right? And like even the my home golf course out here in Colorado, Walnut Creek is a is also a, a wildlife preserve. So you have the golf course, of course, but there's a ton of native grass. There's all kinds of animals. Uh, it's really cool. To kind of, and it's public land. It's a public golf course. It's owned by the county. So you have these kind of really kind of mixed use, and that that makes some sense to me. I'm like, oh, we can get on board with that because now the county makes some money. It provides some jobs, and it also does a great job protecting this, you know, hundreds of acres um, and providing a, a cool ecosystem. And I think you have to be considerate of what kind of chemicals and things like that you use and fertilizers and stuff like that on the actual golf course itself. But when you have naturally flowing water through there and different things like that, it can be really cool. And I think that's actually a nice kind of hybrid approach to conserving some land um, while also kind of scratching the economic itch. And I I, I dig that. But whenever something gets like stripped out and turned into a strip center, right, or a mall, there's not really malls anymore, but you know what I'm saying. Like it's just ruined, it fucks me up. I just it hurts to see it. And he says the environmental movement will do nothing to stop it. And I'll go as far to say the Republicans won't do anything to stop it. Right. The the, the way that that Florida water has been impacted, right? And impacted local fishermen and fishing guys and stuff like that in Florida under Ron DeSantis has been atrocious. Right? In Utah, they're looking at building housing developments in the vital winter range for elk, deer and the full year full-time range of antelope in Utah under a, a, a under a Republican, right? Like they, they don't give a fuck about these public lands. If anything, they see these public lands as a nuisance where I see them as a preservation of our right to explore nature, be in nature and have land that is owned by all of us. So while he blames the environmental movement for not speaking up for that, and I wish they would, I want to say that there's not really many people outside of hunters and anglers and things like that who speak up for preserving public lands.
1: Climate is changing. It's always changed. I live in a place that was completely sculpted by the glaciers, which only melted 10,000 years ago. There were people living where I live in northwestern Maine when the glaciers receded. Ten thousand, of the native americans ten thousand years ago so like this is a feature of of life on earth um but and so i have no doubt it's changing again and and i would be completely open to the possibility that people's behavior is accelerating that change or driving it to some extent it doesn't sound crazy to me i don't think it's proven but i'm open to it of course i am my question is really simple which of your solutions to climate change disempower you mm. So when you act your father on behalf of your children, you are doing things because you love them. They're not necessarily in your interest. Like you'd rather go take a sauna or do some yoga or hop on your wife. But no, you have a child with need. So you love that child. So you do something for that child. That's what it looks like to serve and love someone is to do something you don't want to do. doesn't help you in any way, but at least potentially helps that other person. I see the climate movement, not doing one thing that doesn't, enrich or empower the climate movement and its corporate sponsors, not one. So for example, not to be (laughs) boorish here in lecture, I'll I'll stop with this. Like if I understand, you know, the the ecology correctly, trees are like helpful if you're worried about (laughs) rising CO2, correct? Because they consume it and then emit what oxygen. So if you're really worried about climate change caused by carbon dioxide, you'd probably be planting a lot of trees. I don't see a ton of and I would be very for that as someone who truly loves trees and spends a lot of time thinking about trees and have a lot of trees and maintain a lot of trees. I love trees almost more than anything. Like, where's the nationwide effort to reforest the United States? I don't see it. Instead, I see a lot of solar panels from China that don't work, that actually wreck the environment. Industrial wind farms that wreck where I live, like I live near them. I know what they do. They kill all these birds of prey. It's like it's. They're destroying the environment, but they're becoming richer. So on January 6th, tell me one solution that doesn't make you more powerful. Yeah. There's not one.
0: So he dovetails tell somehow he, he segues into January 6th there, which is fine. Now, where we differ, I think that the wind turbines, solar, these things, I think having a diverse set of energy producing methods is really helpful. I think nuclear is a great idea done well, done correctly. Something where RFK and I actually differ is, is how we look at those things. I think that's worth um, public funding to make that happen. But he's exactly right when it comes to the clear blind spots of the environmental movement. And again, when you create these large, powerful organizations, they move towards incentives and they're generally incentivized to enrich themselves and give themselves more power. And that's what we're seeing. Right? No, I I would like see cuz here's the thing. While I do think that we likely have some kind of impact on the climate change, I also know the climate changes all the time, right? If you look back and we don't like to zoom out, we have like this present time bias, but zoom out 30, 40, 50,000 years, you have cataclysmic events, you have mass extinction events. The the idea that we're above having those kind of events, like those those are part of living on this planet. Part of living on this planet is that you will have cataclysmic events, large shifts, mass migrations, these are all part of living here, right? The hubris of thinking that we are entitled to change that, to me, is really naive. But what we can do is focus on the environment, creating quality air, water, land, right? We've leaned so heavy into plastics, and there's such big uh, there's such a big um, industry, right, with so much power behind creating plastics, right? Not only the plastic producers, but the oil and gas companies behind that right? Speaking of which, the whole hubble over the, over the Keystone pipeline, right? That was a play for plastics that was going to benefit refineries, Canada, and China. It was not going to benefit the United States. It was not going to make your gas prices go down, but you saw the amount of power behind that, right, from the interests that are paid for by the refineries, right, the big oil and gas companies, and China so they can make more cheap shit that ends up in the fucking ocean right and a lot of these things aren't that big of a aren't that big of a hurdle to overcome right like single use plastic to me is fucking disgusting now is it necessary sometimes of course is it necessary in hospital settings and things like that yeah do you need your fork at a restaurant wrapped in fucking plastic do you need your plastic wrapped in plastic no you don't you don't do you need a plastic cup every time you go to the store? No, you don't. But even then, again, that's consumer plastics. Now you think about everything at the grocery store. Everything that shows up to the grocery store is wrapped in plastic for the name of sanitation. That's absurd. Absolutely fucking absurd. Now, isn't it there, it is, you don't see it that way, but when it's delivered on a pallet at Whole Foods or HEB or King Supers or wherever you're going, all of that shit is wrapped in plastic and sometimes individually wrapped in plastic inside of that plastic. And a lot of that shit ends up in the ocean and people will say, well, it's not mostly America that does that. It's India and these other countries, right? China, whatever. Yeah. Okay. I get you. And a lot of that plastic that they're putting in the ocean because they don't have the trash infrastructure to deal with it and never have is from American companies, right? It's from Coca-Cola. It's from little single, single use packets of shampoo and shit that they convince people in India that they need. Because they don't live in the same, they don't have the same infrastructure that we have to deal with their trash. And so American companies are responsible for that even if the United States itself isn't. And make no mistake, the United States is a beautiful place that deserves to be preserved. And we deserve, we have the right, in my opinion, to experience nature and experience our environment. So when you look at that, and there's such a, like, Greta Thunberg's not talking about that. She's talking about climate change exclusively. So what it seems like to me, if I was to zoom out a little bit is that climate change itself right this 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 existential threat they've put out in front of us is is hard to really grasp because it happens slow we don't see the ice caps we don't see this the temperature changes here and there a little bit and things happen and things change and maybe it leads to some cataclysmic event maybe it doesn't I don't know right but it seems so obscure and obtuse that it is likely being used as a distraction to keep us focused on something that is really difficult to change so that we don't have to hold the companies that are polluting our environment now accountable for their pollution, right? Polluting our water with chemicals. The uh, the massive amount of plastic that is ending up in the ocean, the microplastics that are ending up inside of fish that are killing birds, Right? It doesn't, this stuff is stuff we can see. If someone was to show you that every day, if that was the thing, if they focus on that as much as they focused on climate change, like cleaning up the environment, that's something we can all get on board with, right? If you go look at an island, there's a small island uh, just down the way from Hawaii, and a lot of birds live there, a lot of different kinds of albatross birds live on this island and hatch their babies there, right? A lot of those birds Especially the young birds will mistake the plastic for food, eat it, and every single one of those albatross birds, which are the largest birds, they're fucking humongous, they look like a dinosaur, they're beautiful, every single one of those birds has plastic inside of them. And you'll see a dead bird on the sand, rotting away, right, decomposing, with a belly full of plastic, now, if we saw that, we're like, hey, we're going to do something about this. This is absolutely disgusting. We're going to figure out where this plastic is coming from. We're going to hold people accountable. We're going to put pressure on people to figure this shit out. We can do better than that as a species. I find it hard to believe that anybody would be in opposition to that. Of course, somebody would here or there, somebody who complains about all kinds of shit and thinks that you're a kook. But like, generally speaking, that would be a majoritarian position. right? Getting chemicals out of our water... And leading to a world that has less chronic illness. A country that has less chronic illness. This this isn't a world thing. This is a, a very American thing. It has less chronic illness. Creating a healthier population. Decreasing the health cost burden on our society. That's a majoritarian position that people can get behind. That's a populist position. That's a position that helps everybody. That's something we can invest in and get together on. But climate. Seems to be mostly a distraction so we don't do those things because the interests involved have zero incentive to be held accountable. Large industries and organizations are so averse to accountability and they developed the infrastructure and skill set to avoid it over years and years. And they're good at it. And so when I see this and I don't see any reforestation efforts I don't look at people doing controlled burns to increase the, the, the quality of the forest in places like California that keep setting on fire and they keep doing the same shit and they expect different results and they blame it on climate change when really it's just really poor forest management. <laughs> that's it. I see a lot of that in Colorado, but at least here we let fires burn. And that's what you should do because that's a natural part of nature. We are so arrogant as a species to think that we can manipulate nature When really, we're just nature's bitch. You need to see one thing. Go see a fucking volcano erupt or go watch a giant tornado rip houses from the ground and you'll realize that nature is indifferent to us. So we need to play its game. It's not going to play our game. And if we had that mindset and that perspective, we could do a lot more. And do stuff that actually makes impacts in people's lives. And downstream of that is likely a better environment for the climate. But that would be actually a solution. And and our federal government and the organizations that run our federal government are solution-averse as well as accountability-averse. And that is the world that we live in, which is a sad state of affairs. Continuing on here. I wanted to show this, because Alex Jones, as we all know, is a kook. He's never been right about anything. He's a kook. He's a conspiracy theorist. He is a bad faith actor. You know, all of the things above. All of them. So let's see what kind of kookery he gets into here, talking about food. Because we know that the FDA has our best interest at heart, right? We all know that the, 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 the medical establishment, the Food and Drug Administration, the CDC, NIH, they have our best interest at heart. Right, the only incentive they have is for a healthy environment. That's why the United States has gotten progressively healthier since the founding of these institutions. And we, if you just go look around, go to a Walmart and look around, you'll see nothing but healthy, vibrant people everywhere you go. So, I don't know what Alex is getting into here, but let's just let's let's give him a, let's give him a listen.
2: You see here before you what an average person would buy when they went shopping at the store. Not everything here is bad for you. But much of it has compounds and artificial chemicals that have been added that are extremely toxic and bad for your health. And they have known this the entire time and they have approved them for use. Let's start with aspartame. You cannot go to the grocery store now and buy any type of even regular sugar gum that hasn't had aspartame added to it in the 1970s, Searle tried to get it approved and they couldn't. It took them three separate times because in their own studies with monkeys, large portions of them that were fed it died and contracted cancer. Now we have mainstream news articles and the EU has done a major study finding lower birth weights, early birth, and yes, miscarriages from women that drink aspartame-laden soft drinks Like Coke Zero. What is aspartame? It is the fecal matter of the E. coli bacteria. They took it and genetically engineered it. They can feed it toxic waste, and then it defecates aspartame. And it has so many bad health effects. It's just unspeakable.
0: So we look at this here. Clearly, aspartame is nothing but positive. You know, it's zero calorie. It's sweet. And 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 it's while it may be some kind of weird chemical, how could that possibly be bad for you? Of course, exposing the human body to things it wasn't meant to be exposed to could not have any negative consequences because we know better than nature. We know what we're doing here. We're smarter than nature. We're smarter than by our own... Our own bodies don't know what the fuck is good for them. They're not a whole thing. They're a bunch of little bitty things that deserve a bunch of different kinds of doctors. You got a heart doctor and a, and, and a colon doctor and a brain doctor. You can't treat the whole thing as one thing, as one biological unit. You can't expect your body and nature to know better than the science, TM. So let's, let's, this has clearly been debunked. Uh, This is from Vox. Wait. The WHO is about to declare aspartame can cause cancer. Here's why you should listen. That's not what I was expecting. The WHO is about to declare aspartame can cause cancer. Here's why you should listen. Get ready for an earful about the health risks of Diet Coke, Trident gum, Equal, and other sugar-free items. Interesting. Wow. Well, let's see what, CNN's clearly going to have a better view of this, right? Health effects of aspartame draw new scrutiny from WHO experts. Decades after aspartame was approved for use in the United States, the sweetener's safety is getting another look by global health bodies assessing its potential links to cancer. The World Health Organization, International Agency for Research on Cancer, analyzed the potential carcinogenic effects of the sweetener this month. A separate WHO and United Nations Committee, the Joint Experts Committee on on Food Additives, is now updating its risk assessment, including what is considered to be an acceptable daily intake. Their findings have not been made public. They will be released together on July 14th. That's tomorrow. Well, this is unexpected. It looks like Alex Jones was right again. (laughs) Now, the funny thing is, this was rumored back in the day. This was something that I remember talking about with aspartame. And I I will occasionally have a Coke Zero, maybe once a year, usually at Chipotle, um, where they use seed oils on their grill, which is a bummer. Uh, So don't go there as much anymore. But the idea that ingesting a chemical that tastes sweet but has no negative health consequences is absolutely ridiculous. Thomas Sowell says this, right? There's no solutions, only trade-offs. Now, what they, what they could have done instead of making fake sugar, right, like high-fructose corn syrup, aspartame, these different things, is that you could have used natural alternatives that are a little bit more expensive and aren't a chemical byproduct of some other process. They could have done that, which is okay. Or they could have said, hey, palatability and reward are hardwired into your brain. The more palatable something is, sweet, salty, fat combined oftentimes is a good one. Like that's like a, Think about something that's got like a savory, uh, salty, greasy feel to it, like a fried chicken, right? More palatable than a grilled chicken or a baked chicken. It's going to light your brain up. It's going to hit your dopamine sensors, and that's going to make you want more of that thing and more of other things. So really, the hyper-sweetness of aspartame and other artificial sweeteners is only going to increase your amount of cravings. And the best thing you can do about that is to... Condition your body and your palate to be satiated by foods that are less palatable. That perhaps, if you want to get real crazy, are actually real food. But instead, they took the line that would benefit the industries that fund them, like Coca Cola and the large conglomerates that own things like the sugary gums and all the other bullshit, right? So what else are they full of shit about? Maybe we should have a little bit more say in whether or not we have sodium fluoride in our water. Because they were wrong about this. What else can they be wrong about? My guess is all sorts of things. (laughs) And if you want to take a drastic measure eat real food. If you want to be a rebel, if you want to fight against the system, grow your own food, hunt your own food, and eat real food. Because I'll tell you one thing, the people that never took any of this advice and ate meat and potatoes, and some fruit. Those people are fine. Those people are living to be 108 years old on a fucking farm. Right? The Amish people don't deal with this bullshit. Amish kids aren't, aren't sick all the time are struggling in the same way. Now, maybe they have a little bit of a repressed culture, but they're pretty goddamn capable, and ChatGPT is going to take their job, right? No, ChatGPT isn't raising a barn. So when you look at this whole thing, you got to think, what are the trends? What are the trends? What are the patterns you're seeing here? What I see is that intervening and thinking we know better then our bodies and nature <laughs> might lead to some fucked up shit. So yeah, let's continue on. Let's 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 stay in the same vein here. Let's keep this going. 3M reaches tentative 10.3 billion dollar deal over U.S. Forever Chemicals claim. Well, they have a a good little summary here. Let's check this out.
3: The U.S. multinational 3M says it's reached a tentative $10 billion settlement with several American cities to resolve water pollution lawsuits tied to Forever Chemicals. It's what one attorney leading the claims against 3M described as the largest drinking water settlement in American history. The money would be used over the span of 13 years to treat contamination from per- and polyfluoroalkyl substances, or PFAS, and help efforts to filter it from drinking water served to the public. 3M, which faces thousands of lawsuits over PFAS contamination, did not admit liability. PFAS has been used from a wide range of products, from cookware to cosmetics. They're dubbed forever chemicals, as they do not break down easily in the human body or environment, and the chemicals have been linked to cancer and other ailments, as well as environmental damage. The lawsuit was set to be a test case, in more than 4,000 filed against 3M and other chemical companies by U.S. municipalities, state governments, and individuals. The company was scheduled to face a test trial in a South Carolina federal court earlier this month in a lawsuit brought by Stewart, Florida. The judge delayed the trial the morning it was set to start. The Environmental Protection Agency has called PFAS an urgent public health and environmental issue and set a 2025 deadline to stop producing it. Three other major chemicals companies, Chemours, DuPont, and Corteva, said earlier this month they reached a $1.2 billion settlement over claims they polluted U.S. public water systems with PFAS.
0: Well, well, well. Isn't that wild? Isn't that something? Because you wouldn't think that DuPont, who's been known to poison water since the fucking inception of their company, right, with their non-stick pans, that were toxic. Oh, hey, this pan doesn't stick. It'll give you cancer, but your eggs won't stick to it. Um what? Excuse me? Oh yeah, then we dump the shit in the water and then cows die downstream. What? Yeah, there's no more fish in that water anymore. We fucked it up. Oops. <laughs> oh, give me a fucking break, guys. I mean this is insane. This is the same and this is here's the thing that, that's sad about it is that it's not. This is normal in the United States. And this is where libertarians miss it. Right, This is where libertarians miss it, like hardcore libertarians. There has to be a centralized accountability process for this type of shit. Companies are just, aren't just going to be transparent with what they're doing and the harm they're causing. And expect them, if you expect the market to just figure it out, well, DuPont didn't tell everybody that their nonstick pans were toxic and were making you sick, right? You were cooking food for your children on a toxic substance. They didn't tell you that. They just made their fucking money. But they knew it was true. Right? That's DuPont. 3M knew what the fuck they were doing. But they didn't say anything. So how can you make a decision without that information? And who is going to hold these co- uh, these companies accountable when they mislead you, when they lied to you, when they harm people? Same thing goes for the oil and gas industry and the damage caused by fracking. I think fracking is important. Is it a, is it a, a an unadulterated good? No, it fucks people's water up for a lot of reasons, and those people will deserve compensation. Right? Go watch Aaron Brockovich and see how that how that whole thing turned out. It's an uphill battle to hold these companies accountable for their fuckery. Now, if you don't know about PFAS, we can check that out there. They last forever. They leach out of plastics. There's a lot going on there, but just let's look at what the CDC, the official organization, right? the mainstream line on how, what they say PFAs do to affect people's health. Now, a lot of times they'll say like seed oils are fine for you. A lot of times they don't even want to get into it. They're just like, yeah, it's fine. There's a, here's a, here's a study that, 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 uh, the industry that we're, that we're trying to criticize here paid for, right? (laughs) Saying that it's cool. But here's what they say. It says, human health effects from exposure to low environmental levels of PFAs are uncertain. Studies in laboratory animals given large amounts of PFAs indicate that some PFAs may affect growth and development. In addition, these animals studied indicate PFAs may affect reproduction, thyroid function, immune system, and injure the liver. Epidemiological studies on PFAs, exposure, evaluated several health effects. Descriptions of these effects available here. More research is necessary to assess the human health effects of exposure to PFAs. So that's what it does in animals. Like, well, we don't know what it does to people, but other living things don't seem to like them very much. It seems to fuck up with their thyroid, which can lead to obesity. Um, reproduction, low birth weights, other health impacts of that. The immune system, huh? Huh. Maybe a suppressed immune system is a reason that you need to get shot up with something to artificially bolster your immune system. That's funny. Funny how that works. And enter the liver. If you can... Don't drink fucking tap water. Not even filter tap water. Get spring water. Get it delivered to your house. Splurge a little. It's worth it. I've even got to the point now where I, because I, the ice comes out of our fridge, right? It's filtered water in the fridge. I'm about to start just making my own ice and ice trays with the spring water because I'm getting anxious about the fucking protein shakes I make having ice in them after seeing all this stuff. It's wild, man. It's absolutely wild. But when we look at this, it's like, okay, 10.3 billion, is that enough? This is a, this is repeated. 3M, Dupont, the other companies have done this over and over again. When is enough enough? When is enough enough? What do we do? Like, we're, they're not going to stop. They're not going to stop. And and where's Greta Thunberg? Where's she at? Where are the environmental activists on this? Where? Why are they not going and uh, taping themselves or gluing themselves to a fucking 3M plant? They're gonna to go to an art gallery and do it next to the fucking Mona Lisa. But real tangible environmental effects that are harming people have been exposed here, and it's fucking crickets. Crickets. <sighs> wow. Moving on. Z Dog MD. Z Dog MD. I followed this guy um through COVID until he was wrong about like everything. And his attitude was generally just. That of a cunt. He has the attitude of a cunt. Z-Dog, the C-word. So, uh, yeah, here he is. He's he's upset about some things, about um, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Old Bobby. He's mad about Bobby. And uh, he gets a little fired up. We're going to play about 15 minutes of this. So this is how we're going to wind the show up today. Um, let's see what he has to say, you know. I mean, he's he's a, a credentialed doctor. He's Now, he's friends with Vinay Prasad. And they do some shows together. I've never seen Vinay act like this. Um, now he's been wrong about a lot of things too, and still kind of toes the line. But Z Dog is is heated. Let's let's just let's just go. Let's just play it. We won't even skip around. We're just gonna play 15, 15 minutes of this, and we'll stop and discuss as needed.
4: And we are live. <laughs> What's up, everyone? I'm in a mood today, meaning zero F's given. See, I can't.
0: Now I can empathize with that position. I
4: get there sometimes too. I get heated. Maybe go a little too hard.
0: Maybe say fuck too much.
4: Let's see how he handles it. A curse in the first 30 seconds of the video or YouTube demonetizes it or some shit like fuck. Oh, well, I'm broke. What can you do? Come on in. It's Friday. It's like 440 Pacific time. What's a date, man? June 30th, the year of our Lord, 2023. And uh, zero fucks for today's show. So we'll talk about anything you want and you'll get whatever kind of answer comes out of the void through this apparent apparatus across the interwebs to your ear holes, all right? (laughs) Uh, Come on in, I see everybody here. Frank Hernandez, Renee is here who says, "'You had me at no fucks.'" This is why I love my supporter group, man. You know, they pay five bucks a month for me to basically torture them with this kind of shit. Have you guys seen the Netflix uh, Black Mirror, the season six? The first episode, Joan is awful. Dude, it's good shit, literally. Spoiler alert, shit is involved. Um, okay, before I forget, I, I wanna talk about a couple things that people just people keep asking me about. And honestly, I don't give a fuck about either of them, but why not? Let's pretend that Zubin, the person with the personality who's a separate self, cares about this relative illusion of a dream world. All right, so let's operate on that assumption. Uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., okay, running for president. He's a Kennedy, son of Bobby Kennedy. Blue blood, pedigree, all the things, American royalty in that way, right? Um, Running for president. Goes on Rogan, three-hour thing. I'll tell you how much of of it I watched, zero. Do you know why? Because I know about fucking Robert. Okay, so watched
0: zero. Didn't watch any of it claims he knows, right? But didn't watch, this as, as a
4: starting place, didn't watch any of the interview at all. Robert F. Kennedy Jr., because I've known about him for years through his anti-vaccine uh, advocacy. Now, the guy is an environmental lawyer. He's not a scientist, all right? Now, <laughs> this guy, all right. So people are like- uh.
0: Now, in environmental law, one of the most important things to have a grasp of is how regulatory capture can have companies, right, lobby for and get legislation through that helps them avoid liability and accountability for their fuck-ups, right? That's one of the biggest incentives for regulatory capture. That is why it is a problem and that is very evident and present in things like the EPA, right, which can get bought off Like companies like DuPont. And if we look at the pharmaceutical industry, it is eerily similar, the structure that those governing bodies have relative to the companies that they're supposed to hold accountable.
4: You know, he said all this stuff on Rogan and then Peter Hotez talked a lot of shit on, and Peter Hotez has been on my show a couple of times. Physician, scientist, pediatrician out of UT Houston, I think. talking a lot of shit online uh, about this, calling it misinformation and all of that. And so Rogan got pissed and was like, well, Peter, you've been on my show, like come back and debate RFK on my show and I'll moderate and I'll give $100,000 to charity if you do this. And then other billionaires pile on and they're like, oh, I'm throwing under this. And so now it's like all this stuff. Uh, and, and okay, uh, let me just tell you what I think, okay? First of all, anything any time RFK Jr. opens his mouth about vaccines, it's probably wrong. With the exception of what he says about maybe COVID boosters being unnecessary. I don't know if he says that, but if he says that, if he's like aligned with what Vinay and I have been saying about um, COVID vaccinations and people who have immunity and are young and all that being not necessary, certainly shouldn't be mandated, I agree with him. If he thinks the you know medical industrial complex is a problem, I agree with him. If he thinks, you know again, like there's, there's captured interest and all that, I agree with him. I mean, he's an environmental justice lawyer or whatever that means. So he's used to that. That kind of advocacy, great, wonderful. I agree, agree. Um, He has pictures of himself with his ripped abs, lifting weights in LA as part of his whole machismo thing. Wonderful. It's great to see a liberal not being a pussy. That's great. Wonderful. All great. Love that. Okay. Open your mouth about childhood vaccines, which he's been doing for years and it's fucking poisonous lies. That's just it.
0: Okay, so- Every policy position that Bobby has, everyone, independent review boards, regulatory, uh, undoing regulatory capture uh, mandates, the, the, as he and, and, and uh, Vinay have said, the, the, all the consequences of the lockdown that were overlooked, all of the policy positions, every way that his, that Bobby's beliefs about vaccines and the, and the pharmaceutical industry and the regulatory capture, how that all manifests in policy z Dog agrees with and is in support of. And he is the only candidate that holds those positions that z Dog thinks are important. He's the only one that holds those positions that will do that kind of work and make that a priority in the White House. But I guess the childhood vaccine thing is a red line. And what... Bobby wants with childhood vaccines is independent, uncaptured review board and double blind long-term impact studies outside of effectiveness against the issue that they're trying to treat. As we've talked about in the show over and over again, there are other consequences. It is not a singular response. So if you may stop someone from getting polio but you create downstream health effects that are different from polio, right? Well, the juice may not be worth the squeeze, and that's part of developing a system that is known as informed consent, that you may be informed on the consequences of a medical procedure before consenting to that medical procedure, which is what I think most of us want. Let's continue.
4: Delusional bullshit comes out of his mouth. And that delusional bullshit through the Children's Defense Fund or whatever the fuck his pseudo charity is, is damaging to public health, period. It just is. That's what you want to know what I think, this is what I think. And it's, and it's, I don't, this is not my own opinion. This is based on seeing what he said. So the guy, as far as I'm concerned, has zero credibility in the scientific space of vaccines. Um, And to further this, you could say, well, okay, so who do I trust in the vaccine space? Well, I'll I'll say what I think about Peter Hotez. I don't like the way Peter's behaved on Twitter because he's become increasingly COVIDian, increasingly partisan, increasingly strident in this way that I find really distasteful. And I find it doesn't convince anybody that isn't already convinced. If you have a, th- and Peter's done great work on neglected tropical diseases, on developing low cost vaccines for the developing world. Like this is beautiful work, like incredible. So you can understand why Peter wants you know, uh, uh, some degree of exposure because it helps that work. It helps get funding for that work and that sort of thing. Very important, great advocacy, beautiful. Don't like the way that he behaves on Twitter. And I can see why Rogan got triggered because Rogan, I can't listen to Rogan anymore because his bias is so clear too. And he doesn't recognize it. So it's kind of like he's captured by his own audience. We all have this problem, right? Um, and I'll tell you, I, was, I had experience with audience capture. I've had experience with being uh, quite biased and not recognizing it. And now I see it all, it's all bullshit. There's no true view actually in any sense. So zero fucks are given about all that. And I don't care if you fucking subscribe or don't subscribe or hit share or mash the like button that helps push the video out. I just couldn't give two fucks. I'm at a place in my life where I don't give a fuck. So I'm just gonna tell you what I think. And that may even change tomorrow because what I think is just appearance. So who gives a flying rat's ass about it? Let's talk anyway, since we're here. So um, fucking Rogan loses his mind because Hotez is like, I'm on your show. And now Hotez is like quote tweeting shit about Rogan being misinformation, which let's be honest, this triggers Rogan. Like, this is what fucking gets his goat. He doesn't like that shit. And I'll tell you what, he kind of deserves it. Because the people that he puts on his show are fuckwads. So he just offered to have Hotez come
0: on the show. And one thing that, that people like Dog here don't um, bring up is that all the sources that Bobby wanted to use in that debate would have been shared with Hotez ahead of time. All of them. That he wanted to look into. They could have even probably had it refined down. There could have been some negotiation about that, I'm sure. I'm sure Rogan would have been open to having another moderator in. Like Zdog if he wanted to go do that. There's a lot of ways they could have gone about that besides a blanket no because it, it gives somebody else credibility, which is not how science works, my friends. Let's continue here.
4: A lot of the time about science and a lot, and but the, but they mix it with stuff that's absolutely true that other scientists aren't saying. So you can see why Rogan would be like, yeah, this is great. But then he gets sucked into this bullshit where he's unquestioning. He's not even curious about the opposing view on this. He's just like, "Tell me more about how fucking vaccines are making my dick limp." It's like, dude, come on, what Joe. Fuck are you talking come about? on. Like you're a brilliant interviewer, you're super curious, you're incredibly open. I love your shit about fucking many things but like about this I just it just is unwatchable. So Rogan then gets pissed at Hotez, which I get cuz Hotez is behaving like an asshole on Twitter. Um, and and he's super he's super partisan too. Uh, uh Hotez, which gets you nowhere. The minute you start behaving like that, first of all, you can be immediately recognized as someone who just doesn't fucking understand reality. That there's truth everywhere and there's no truth anywhere. Okay? So Check that box for you don't fucking know what you're talking about. And second, you're alienating 50% of the audience. You're purportedly caring to influence. It's a good point. It just doesn't work. So why do it? Even if you're, whatever your political thoughts are, it just doesn't, and everybody's doing this now, you know? And by the way, this is why, well, we'll talk about Paul Offit in a second. So, all right, (laughs) I didn't mean to go into this much depth on it. <laughs> um, so Rogan calls out fucking Hotez and says, come and debate and I'll fucking moderate and I'll give you all this money and all this. Okay, let me tell you why on the surface, this sounds great. Yeah, you're supposed to debate things. This is science. You go out and you have arguments and you try to find, you present evidence and you argue the case. You can argue it to the American public. Brilliant. You don't debate a fuckwad who has no scientific fucking background, who's been has a history of distorting facts and lying. So he had a. Is he talking about Bobby Kennedy or the pharmaceutical industry?
0: The fuckwads that distort facts. I I, I think I, I kind of lost track there because it seems like that criticism could be placed on. In lots of areas that we're discussing here, maybe that's just me.
4: A call with Paul Offit like 20 years ago. Paul wrote a great piece on this. Paul, who I trust about vaccines, because he gives zero fucks too, and basically had this call. And Paul kind of said, "Yeah, this is the deal with the childhood vaccines. This is the deal with methyl mercury and ethyl mercury and the distinctions." And went through the whole thing. Felt really good about the call, and then RFK had t- just totally fucking flamboozled him. Did the whole lawyer thing, and presented the thing. You know. Paul often is a liar, all this stuff. Did this whole thing. Paul's written about it. Like, really, Paul is one of the best human beings I know. And RFK just fucking fucked him for no reason, just to advance his own vaccine thing, which he already... A good way to, to understand if someone, someone is debating in good faith is ask them, what could what, what evidence could be shown to you that would change your mind on vaccines? And there's nothing that will change his mind. And he said so much on a documentary I, I was involved with, I don't know if it's been released yet, but they asked him, so have there ever been a vaccine that you think was helpful to humans? And he, and he looks down and he goes, yeah, I can't think of any. Like, where f- 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 are you fucking kidding me? Smallpox? Like, are you high? Uh, so Rogan unquestionably then says, hey, come on, uh, come on, hotels, uh. uh I I dare you to fucking come debate if you're talking all this shit, which I understand. I understand why he's doing that. He's fucking hurt by this thing, whatever. I'm, again, thought projecting. Who knows what Rogan's thinking? And who fucking cares? Who cares what Joe Rogan thinks about anything? I think like 40 million people have listened to that podcast so far. Really? Who cares what I think? Think for your fucking self. So
0: people like to listen to what you think and what Rogan thinks and what RFK thinks and what Paul Offit thinks, right? People like to hear all of those things so that they can be informed to make decisions for themselves. So you're acting as if we're supposed to just pull information out of our asses to think for ourselves instead of gathering information from a variety of sources and seeing what makes sense to us.
4: Does this guy seem well to anybody? Jesus Christ, America. Anyways, sorry. I get a little volatile these days. Maybe too much fucking whatever. Um, so Rogan's calling out Hotez. Now, here's the thing. Why, Why? on the surface sounds like a great idea. Hotez is being a pussy for not stepping up. Why would, is he scared of RFK? Like I have good friends texting me going, oh, no wonder fucking Hotez is scared. Look at, uh, look at, uh, this was a joke, but look at, look at uh, RFK's muscles, man, in this picture. It's like, dude, here's the deal with debating fucking ass clowns like this. It's not a debate. At this point, it just becomes a spectacle that elevates the ass clown to the level of a scientist, which he's not. And the way that RFK will debate you is as a lawyer. So he will bring a shit ton of bullshit, cherry picked nonsense like he does on Rogan and just go this and this study and this study and this and refute this. Well, if that's true, well, then refute this. OK, so RFK, what would change your mind? Oh, well, what about this? What about this? Refute this. And
0: again, we need to talk about the fact that he was going to give all these sources. To Hotez before the debate, so he would have
4: as much clarity as he needs. To gather his own. Of course, a good scientist would want to carefully review every single study and give you all the reasoning why it's – well, you can't is, do that in that scenario. Is that what's been happening the past few years, that
0: every study is reviewed and thoughtful and um, taken into consideration? Or do all does all the pressure seem to go in one direction? Can
4: you see why that's bullshit, Dog? So it becomes a fucking spectacle that elevates this guy to equivalency with a world expert on vaccines. And I understand the skepticism about expertise, that I get, I understand it. it. It came to a head during COVID when the experts were total fucking asswads about so much shit. Oh, let's mandate fucking vaccines And I bet you fucking hotels had a hand in this. I mean, who knows? Like these experts that are just fucking so COVIDian about shit. Let's mandate vaccines even if you've had documented immunity, documented COVID infection. Do you know how much damage that did to the credibility of public health? Because Americans, as idiotic as they are, they're not fucking idiots. See the paradox in every statement? So what are you,
0: like, who's gonna do something about that? Who? I know of one person who's interested in doing something about that. And it's not
4: Trump and it's not Biden. And it's true as fuck isn't Gavin Newsom. So who? They could see right through that and go, well, this doesn't make sense. Now I can't believe anything these assholes say. Well, now you're throwing the baby out with the bathwater, but that's what humans do. So... You don't debate a fuckwad like RFK Jr. on Rogan, who is clearly fucking biased. Like, do you think he's going to actually be a fair moderator of a debate? Does he know how... And bring in another moderator. Baby, there's four
0: microphones. There's I've seen them. I've seen them all be used. I think there's five microphones in that, in that studio. I mean, the Protect Your Parks crew is, yeah, that's five guys. So
4: they can They can do it. Not a problem how to do a scientific debate. It's a spectacle. And he has every right to invite him and offer money and all that. That's all fine. He has every right to offer all that shit. (laughs) Kim, that's a funny comment. Ask RFK about children driving over bridges. All right. Um, So that said, uh, that's what I think about RFK. If he becomes president, that's all fine. That's great. It's probably better than Trump and Biden, honestly. But I fucking don't know. They're all the same. It's all the fucking same, but he has no business opening his mouth about vaccines, debating anybody about vaccines. He's a fucking liar. This is what he did to Paul off it.
0: All right. That's enough of that. I think he said Paul made more money than he did or something like that, but you, you guys get where we're going here. Now we look down here, uh, ratio 2.1, uh, 2.1, 2,100, sorry. Down votes, 1,000 up votes. And, uh, yeah, it's only got 16,000 views. So they put the kibosh, YouTube put the kibosh on this one because he has almost five hundred thousand subscribers on YouTube. So that's Z Dog. Let that be interesting to dive into a little bit. Now it's time for that part of the show. Where I give you something to think about. So, we talked a lot today about uh, things in the water, things in our food. We discussed glyphosate a little bit, different things like that. Seed oils, all that kind of fun shit. So, what I want you to think about this week is pretty fucking simple. How can you get that shit out of your life? What can you do to enhance the lens that you view the world through that'll keep you away from that shit? PFAs, plastic leaching, fire retardants, glyphosate, tap water, fluoride, right? Maybe that means filters on your shower so you're not breathing this shit in. You think about that with a hot shower, you're breathing in the steam. It's actually more potent than you would get from drinking the water. Not something they studied, but it makes a lot of sense. So what I want you to do, is audit your life and see where these things might be leaking into your life and fucking do something about it. It's that simple. Look at your plastics. Look at the warm. You're drinking warm bottles of water? No. Get yourself some spring water. Maybe if you're even in a really cool area, you can drive your ass out there with some glass jugs and collect it yourself. I would love to do that. Maybe it's a water well. Who knows? Who knows? But there's ways we could look at this. You're going to eat eat, uh, corn that's been sprayed with glyphosate? No. Don't do that. Buy your meat and your food and your milk local. Be a part of the change that we need when it comes to localizing agriculture. That'll do more for the environment than anything the environmental community is doing. So look at your life. Find those places where you can make some changes and make the changes that you can make and take a step in the right direction. Love you guys. See you next time. Keep your head on straight. And stay safe out there. Clean it up, everybody. Clean it up. Bye-bye.